Good morning. Welcome to Grace Bible Church. Man, I really like the one service. How many of you like the one service format? I, it's so good. Um, my name is Pastor John. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Bible Church. Uh, I was not here for last week, the first, uh, the first kickoff of our, our one service. And uh, I was actually dropping Alexis off, my daughter, at, uh, at Spokane for, for college. So this is a picture of uh, me and Alexis. I was so sad, but she was happy. Um, and uh, I was there for a couple of days being her slave, just taking all of her, transporting all of her things from one place to another place. And, and you know, as a dad, a dad just wants to spend time with their kids. And my, one of the, the, the lowest priority on the list of my, my daughter is to spend time with me. She just wants me to move all her stuff and, 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 and after the first day of like slave labor and doing everything for her, she's like, Dad, do I have to stay at the hotel with you? Can I stay here with my friends? And I was like, I guess. I was all sad. And then I thought, that's how I am with God all the time. Like when he asks me to spend time with him in the morning, it's like a lot of times I'll be like, oh, but I want to check the news. I want to do this and do that. And so I realized the job of a father is to be selfless and love our kids and just let them spend time with their friends and whatever. So anyway, I, I wanted to share this one thing with you because it was random, so random. I, I was uh, buying groceries for my daughter. I was in the ice cream aisle. And I looked on the side of me and there was this guy and he was buying ice cream too. And something was moving around his neck. No, 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 go, go, go. <laughs> you ruined it. You ruined it. Anyway. This guy, he had this thing around his neck, and I saw, I turned around, and I looked at him, and I said, dude, is that real? And he's like, yup, it ate my bunnies. And I was like, are you serious? And then he goes, you want to wear it? And I said, uh, I guess. So I, I, I took it off his neck, and, I, and it just like, yeah, that's crazy. And then, <laughs> and then, and then I talked to him, and, uh, he had, he was like, you know, full of like satanic tattoos all over him and stuff. But we, I prayed for him quietly. Well, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't, but greater is he that's in me than the serpent around my neck. So anyway, <laughs> just a random thing. That, so my, my friend, you can take that, <laughs> you can take that. So. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. It's like looking at me like, you know, so anyway. Um, I thought that was interesting, and I, I, some of my, uh, my daughter's friends were there, and I said, is this normal in Spokane for people to walk around with, like, snakes around their neck? And they're like, no, that's like, we've never seen that before. And I thought, well, I, I was pretty privileged to, to see that. Anyway, um, today's, today's message is called Contender or Pretender, and how many of you have been impacted in your life changed by the power of God? Anybody here? God is in the business of changing lives, and he wants to, what he's doing right now is something that we've never seen before, and I believe God is ready to, there's revival that's brewing. There's people that are hungry for the Lord, and it comes as a two-edged sword because so many things have been shaken in the past couple years that people are either going to be completely broken by it or completely changed. And I was just talking to one of um, my friends, and he said that, Two people in his circle of, of friends uh, hung themselves this past week. And here on Maui, established people in the community 
And I really believe that there's so many people that don't have faith in Christ and don't have an anchor for the hope that's in them that we have. And God's called us to be that hope and to see lives change. And so God has appointed you at this time, at this place, with the people that are around you. And he's calling us to have our antennas up, to understand the need that surrounds us. And I believe he's going to put us into the, the lives of people. Um, just yesterday, I was in the drive-thru uh, at, at uh, what's that place, the new place? Not Chick-fil-A, the other one. Raising Cane. What a name, Raising Cane. And it's a double, double drive-thru. And I looked to the side, and there was this friend that I didn't see for years. And, um, and just a couple weeks ago, somebody had told me that, because he was going to a different church, and somebody had told me that he stopped going to church. And so I, I looked at him, and, um, and he said, hey, how's it going? And so I, I, I made shackle, and I, I picked up the phone, and I called him, and I said, hey, how's it going? <laughs> we were talking on the phone while looking at each other in the drive-thru. And we had probably like 15 minutes of conversation. And he was saying that he stopped going to church. There's like a bunch of offense that happened. And then he opened up about saying that there's things that were going on mentally, that his mental health was taking a beating and he had to take care of himself and his marriage. And I said, hey, let's go grab coffee sometime. And I really believe that was a divine appointment in, in the Raising Cane drive through line. And I think we just need to be aware and prepared for the divine appointments that God's going to put in our lives, like connections that we haven't had for years. And God will put those connections in our lives because people are ready for change. Amen? How many want to be changed by God? How many want the person sitting next to you to be changed by God? <laughs> Amen. Um, change, change is not easy. Change a lot of times is painful. And pain brings about the most permanent uh, change that can happen in our lives. And some of the most beautiful things, the most valuable things in our lives only take place through pain. Amen? How many of you like eating healthy? How many like working out? How many, how many enjoy being married? How, how many also believe that sometimes being married is pretty painful? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to raise it that high. Um, how many of you enjoy being parents? And how many think that being a parent sometimes is painful? <laughs> a lot of the, the things that we go through is to make us better, to make us less selfish, getting married, having kids, having a dog all help us become um, less selfish. What we're going to be focusing on today is the story of, of Jacob. And uh, Jacob, Jacob's name, if you look at your notes, uh, Jacob's name means supplanter or attack at the heel. Uh, until his encounter with God, Jacob got his blessing through taking things from others. He did this to his brother Esau. He did this to his uncle Laban. And both ended up wanting to kill him. Esau's desire to kill Jacob brought Jacob to his knees before God. And Jacob wrestled with God until God blessed him. Through the power of prayer, God changed his character, the destiny of his children, and the perspective of his challenges. 
and we're going to be looking uh, at the life of Jacob today. Can we, um, can we open this morning with prayer? God, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you are in the business of changing our lives, and you not just want to change our lives, but you want to change the lives of the people in our community, and you want to reveal the love of, of your heart and through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And God, we just pray that you would help us to be ministers uh, to the people around us. God, help us to be sensitive to the needs. Lord, we just pray for those two families that uh, suffered the loss of uh, those two men in our community who uh, took their lives this past couple weeks. God, we pray that you'd bring Christians into their lives and just to share your love and your hope, uh, God, with those families. Lord, we pray that you would uh, draw us into the path of people who need you, and we ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. Right now, the biggest thing that we can do, I believe, is to devote ourselves to prayer. Uh, several, several weeks ago, uh, Pastor Norman uh, shared the prophetic word of Jim LaFoon, and he said, it's not business as usual. It is a time to pray. And since that time, we have opened up prayer windows. There's a prayer window on uh, every single day from 7.14 in the morning and 7.14 at night for 10 minutes. There's also a Monday Zoom prayer, so you don't even have to leave your house. You don't have to change your clothes. You don't have to turn your video on. You can just jump on and be a letter if you want. Uh, and, and all of those things are on the back of your notes. You can just like put your camera uh, of your phone up to the QR code in the back, and it will take you to those prayer sites. Um, the Monday night prayer is from 6.30 to 7.30. No, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock. And then in person, we have a prayer gathering Thursday nights from 6.30 to 7.30. And so if you want to join us for any of those times, uh, please, please come. The in-person prayer is only going to go till October, the end of October. But we're doing that because we know that God changes our lives and our character, prepares us for what he wants to do through prayer. Um, on a, God changed through prayer, God changed Jacob's character. Um, Jacob's name. Jacob's name means to supplant, it means to circumvent, it means to take by the heel, it means to assail insidiously, to overreach. It also means the person who has that name is a layer of snares. He likes to lay snares for others. Um, I'm going to read the story so that everybody knows the story of Jacob and Esau. But it's interesting. They were twins. And when Esau came out first, he was hairy. So he's probably Okinawan like me. And when he came out, it said that Jacob was holding on to his heel. And he came out holding on to the heel of his older brother. And that's why he was named Jacob. But that name, Jacob, means supplanter or somebody who lays snares for other people. From the time of his birth, there was a character that he had that was inborn. He was born into a sin nature. And his tendency was to lay snares for other people so that he could get ahead in life. It wasn't something that he got good at. It was something he was born with. It was a sin nature that was inside of him. And he was, his name was called Jacob. Um, Jacob, through, you know, we don't have time to read through the whole story, but most of you know the story that Jacob uh, loved to make meals. 
and his brother loved to hunt. And, and when he, his brother came home from a long day of hunting, he had already made this meal, and he told his brother, sell me your birthright for this porridge of, for this bowl of stew. And his brother Esau came and he said, what good is my birthright if I die of starvation? Sure, you can have my birthright. So Jacob took the birthright from his brother just through a bowl of porridge. And not only that, but he took the spiritual blessing as well. So Genesis 27, 36 and 41 says, Esau, his brother, who these things were stolen from, Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright. Now he's taking my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? He's talking to his father. And the father didn't have a blessing for Esau. So Esau then held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing of his father that he had given to Jacob. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, and when he is dead, I will kill my brother Jacob. How many of you have ever wanted to kill your sibling? Don't raise your hand. You know. So in Genesis 32, it says that Jacob, he had to run away from his brother, and he did the same kind of fina uh, finagling, finagling with his, his uncle Laban, stole a bunch of stuff from his uncle Laban through supplanting and taking things, being aggressive and whatever. And he's, his uncle wanted to kill him, and then he made peace with his uncle, but now his brother wants to kill him, and his brother is coming with 400 men. And so Jacob is pretty scared that his brother's coming. And it says, he instructed them, this is Jacob, this is what you say to my, my brother, my lord Esau. Tell him, your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle, donkeys, sheep, goats, male and female servants. And now I am sending this message to my lord that I may find favor in your eyes. When the messenger returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you with 400 men. Do you think he was coming to, to play poker or something, like to have fun with his brother? He was coming to take his brother out, to fulfill the vow that he made that when his dad died, that he was going to kill his brother. So then it said, in great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him in two groups, and the flocks and the herds and camels as well. And he thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, then the group that is left may escape. Then Jacob prayed, and he said, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. Save me, I pray, from the hands of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper, and I will make your descendants like the sands of the sea, which cannot be counted. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. And after he sent them across the stream, and he sent over all his possessions, Jacob was alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. This is the story of Jacob when he when he exhausted his resources, when he was at the end of his rope, when there's nothing that he could do to preserve his own life, he did the one thing 
that God encourages us to do, and that's to pray. He sent everyone away, and he went to be alone to pray and to wrestle in private with the Lord. And through that time, God did three things. He changed Jacob's character. He changed the destiny of Jacob's children. And finally, he changed Jacob's perspective of his challenges. How many of you need a touch from God because there are things in your life that have been with you since birth and there are things that you cannot get rid of on your own? I think all of us have things in our lives that we struggle with. Some people it's anger, some people it's, it's depression, some people it's lust. There's different kinds of vices that we all have and that we're born into. And God in his grace and mercy, he makes available freedom and deliverance for us. Jacob had these issues from birth and so do we. And God is in the business of changing lives. So Jacob went alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. So this is point number one. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man, who was the Lord, said to him, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied and said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with the humans and with humans and have overcome. What happened when Jacob wrestled with God and he was asking for a blessing, he changed his name. He changed the description of who he was. So he was no longer a supplanter. He was no longer somebody who laid snares for other people. But he was named Israel, which means God prevails. And in our lives, there's things that characterize us, that characterize our weaknesses and our struggles, things that we have struggled with forever. And God has designed a way for us to experience freedom, and that's through prayer. One of the things that um, our church used to do a while ago is this thing called Cleansing Stream. And we're reintroducing Cleansing Stream. Uh, it's going to start, the classes are going to start mid-October, and it's going to, um, the seminar is going to be in November. But I remember when it first came, and uh, a lot of our church members went through it, and there was so many stories of how God changed lives through that. And I remember my mom, is my mom here? Hi. My mom looks really happy, because she is. But when we were two, three years old, she struggled with anger. Because she was the daughter of my grandma. And if you know my grandma, she was like, had the hottest temper ever. She's a crazy woman. And that all went to my mom. And then it went to Sharina and bypassed me. <laughs> but. But she shared stories of how she had problems with anger, and she would throw me. <laughs> when I was in the car, she said she pushed me, and I, like, fell, and I was looking at her with big eyes, like, why did you just hurt me? And she said that she realized that she had a problem, and she pled to God to take that anger away. And she asked me, do you remember me doing that to you? I was like, no, I don't remember. The only memories I have of my mom is her getting mad at my sister. I'm just joking. I, I really don't 
have too many memories of my mom being angry. And it's because God transformed her character before um, we could remember. And she said she did that intentionally because she didn't want to end up at the police department. Um, but through that cleansing stream retreat, people were talking about being set free from addictions, from alcoholism, from gambling. Um, there was, there was a, a couple that came to our church, and it, it was the craziest situation I've ever seen. And I was in high school. I think I was in high school at the time. Yeah, I was in high school at the time. And, um, and they shared a story of how the husband um, had an affair with a prostitute here on the island, and they were ready to get divorced. And they came to the cleansing stream, and, and at that cleansing stream, their marriage reconciled. But not only did the marriage reconcile, the prostitute came to the retreat as well, gave her life to the Lord. And I remember I was playing worship up here, and I saw the woman on the left side of the stage weeping, crying before the Lord, and then the husband and wife next to each other crying reconciling their marriage and giving their lives to the Lord. And that husband and wife is still together today. God is in the business of changing lives. And, and I really want to encourage you to, to, if you can make it to Cleansing Stream, to come because we've been praying in the, in the prayer meetings and the Thursday night meetings that God would break through and bring freedom to the lives of everyone in our church. Um, we're going to show a video of uh, Sandy Gomes. She was um, one of the key people that helped put Cleansing Stream together the first time that we went through it. And um, can we show that video? Nearly 15 years ago, the Cleansing Stream ministry was introduced in our church here at Grace Bible. My heart was open and ready to receive all that God had in store for me and for the entire body of Christ. We were ready to allow him to take control, to change, transform, and renew us so that we could be all that he has called us to be. There was insurmountable pain, difficulty, and hardship I was experiencing at the time. And because of the ministry, Jesus met me and healed my broken heart. He set me free from all the bondages and strongholds that were holding me back from being the woman that I am today, changed by the power of His Holy Spirit. Anxiety, panic attacks, fear, rejection, depression, hopelessness, shame, guilt, condemnation, are only but a few of the things that God delivered me from. There's one specific area that I vividly remember God instructing me in, that is, never to allow the spirit of offense to enter into my heart. This ministry will give you the tools and equip and enable you to handle difficulties with biblical truths. Join us and jump into the Cleansing Stream ministry. Experience God's redeeming love and receive your breakthrough. My Redeemer lives and he heals me with his redeeming love. His compassions fail not, and his mercies are new every morning. Amen, can we give the Lord a hand? One of the things that was really powerful that happened uh, through the Cleansing Stream ministry was not 
just people experiencing freedom, but then learning how to minister that freedom to others. So uh, Sandy Gomes, she's um, the one of the owners of uh, TJ Gomes Trucking, and she would set up prayer uh, ministry on the base uh, where all the truckers would come, and she would minister healing and prayer and deliverance to people uh, that were their employees. And so she became a pastor of that whole business. And so... Um, God not only wants to set you free, but he wants to use you to minister freedom to the people that surround you. Uh, the second thing that God did when Jacob prayed was not just to change his character, but God changed the destiny of Jacob's children. God changed the destiny of Jacob's children. Um, point two, it says, and the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled uh, and the land was filled with them, Exodus 1-7. Every single time that I, I'm reading through the Bible and I read the children of Israel, I just think about that they're Jews. But I don't, thi I don't think about that they were actually children of Israel. You know, children of Jacob, who was turned to Israel. They were children of Israel. And when God changed the name of Jacob to Israel... He also changed the destiny of his legacy. Every one of his kids were then, their identity was, throughout scripture, they were called the children of Israel, the one who contended with God. And so when we pray and we ask God to change our character, it not only changes us and frees us, but it changes the legacy of our children and our children's children. When we fight for our character, when we fight for the character of Christ to be developed in our lives, we're actually creating a legacy that's going to impact generations and generations and generations. I, when I think about like cleansing stream, and it, there is an investment, it, it costs 80 to $100 to attend that seminar, but I think of what is the impact of that investment? It's not just impacting my life, and it's not just changing my character, but it changes the generations to come. God changed the destiny of Jacob's children. Um, this is this is uh, something that my dad shares, and if you've come to our church for a while, you uh, have seen this before, but this is a legacy of two people in America, Jonathan Edwards and uh, the Jutes. So this is a multi-generational study, the story of Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was a Puritan, and you can throw his uh, slide up there. Jonathan Edwards was a Puritan preacher in the 1700s. He was one of the most respected preachers in his day. He attended Yale at the age of 13 and later went on to be the president of Princeton College. He married his wife, Sarah, in 1727, and they were blessed with 11 children. Every night when Mr. You thought you had a hard time. <laughs> Every night when Mr. Edwards was home, he would spend an hour conversing with his family and then praying a blessing over each child, 11 children. Jonathan and his wife, Sarah, passed on a great godly legacy to their 11 children. An American educator, A.E. Winship, decided to trace the descendants of Jonathan Edwards almost 150 years after his death. His findings are remarkable, especially when compared to another man from the same time period known as Max Jukes. So can you throw the next uh, picture up there? So this is Max Jukes, and he is um, a, a criminal. 
Um, Jonathan Edwards' legacy includes one U.S. vice president, one dean of a law school, one dean of a medical school, three U.S. senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 65 professors, 75 military officers, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, 100 clergymen, and 285 college graduates. That's an amazing legacy in 150 years, wouldn't you say? How may this be explained? Edwards was a godly man, but he also was hardworking, intelligent, and moral. Furthermore, Winship states, much of the ca capacity, talent, intensity, and the character of more than 1,400 of Edwards' family is due to Mrs. Edwards. Isn't that a blessed legacy? That's not privilege. Our culture is saying that that's privilege. It is privilege. It's privilege of a godly legacy that's passed down. Max Juke's legacy, and that's the one that you're looking at, uh, came to the people's attention when the family trees of 42 different men in the New York prison system were tracked back to him. He lived in New York at about the same period as Edwards. The Jukes family originally was studied by sociologist Richard Dugdale in 1877. Jukes descendants included seven murderers, 60 thieves, 190 prostitutes, 150 other convicts, 310 paupers, 440 who were physically wrecked by addiction to alcohol, and of the 1,200 descendants that were studied, 300 died prematurely. So you can go to the next slide that shows the family tree. These contrasting legacies provide an example of what some call the five-generation rule. How a parent raises their child, the love they give, the values they teach, the emotional environment they offer, the education they provide, influences not only their children, but four generations to follow, either for good or evil. What a challenging thought. If someone studied your descendants four generations later, what would you want them to discover? Do you want an Edwards legacy or a Jukes legacy? The life you live will determine the legacy you leave. Isn't that powerful and sobering? That the things that we do not just affect us in our lives, but the lives of generations to come. Not only in that prayer encounter that Jacob had, did God change his character and then change his children, but God changed Jacob's perspective of his challenges. How many of you have challenges that you go through in life? Everybody else that didn't raise your hand, you're lying and you're in church. God changed Jacob's perspective of challenges. So, Jake, so after Jacob wrestled with God, it says, so Jacob, this is the first verse, so Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face. And yet, the, my life was spared. So, so Jacob was saying that he saw God face to face. What's really interesting is a little bit later in Genesis 33, when Esau made peace with Jacob, Esau said, and Jacob is offering all of this stuff to Esau to bless Esau. 
Esau says, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. No, please, said Jacob, if I have found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me. And then he says this thing that's very interesting. He says, for to see your face is like seeing the face of God. Now that you have received me favorably. Isn't that interesting? Jacob said that he saw God to face, face to face, named the place that he saw him, Peniel. And then when he saw his brother that was intending to murder him, this brother that he was so petrified of that it forced him to spend a night on his knees wrestling with God. When he sees his brother later, he looks at his brother and says, when I look at your face, it's as if I'm looking into the face of God. Why is that? I believe it's because Esau drove Jacob to pray and God changed Jacob to Israel through that prayer. Therefore, Jacob recognized the face of God in his adversary. Every trouble, every adversary, every challenge in his life, he began to see it as something that would drive him to God and that in driving him to God, it would change his character, it would change his children. Therefore, he could look at every challenge as a tool in the hands of God. Not just a tool, but even God himself. And I remember watching a video where monks that were told that Muslims were coming to kill them said, we're not going to defend ourselves. We have come to give our lives for these Muslims. And when the Muslims came and killed all of the monks, there was a letter that they left. And one of the things that the monks wrote in that letter was saying, I hope that when we both pass away, that I'll see you in heaven and I'll be able to look at you in whose eyes I see the face of God. And I thought, how can somebody see the face of God in their enemy? But they understood that those trials drive us to Christ and Christ changes our hearts and makes us more like him and also changes the legacy. So our challenge are nothing but a tool that God can use to drive us to the crucibles of prayer. Character is changed, legacies are created, and challenges are overcome in the crucible of prayer. And uh, this is a picture of, of a crucible where fire refines gold and the crucible holds the gold and melts the gold and all the junk comes to the top. And I know in all of our lives today, and for the past several years, we've all gone through a crucible. We've all gone through the fire, the fire of change, the fire of persecution, the fire of division and dissent and relational tension. And there's so many people that are struggling with mental health issues because of the stress and because of the loss and because of the change. And all of these things are a crucible that surfaces the junk that's in our lives. We were all good. We all thought we were good until COVID happened. And then all of these fears, all of these divisions, all of these tensions surface, and then who we really are comes to, the, comes to the surface. And we see, man, I didn't know that anger was there. I didn't know that that fear was there. I didn't know that my tendency to medicate with this or that was there. But all the things begin to surface, and why? because God wants to wipe all that junk 
out of our lives, and he wants to cleanse us from the inside out. He wants to change us, not just clothe us with stuff and, like, put the makeup and everything on. That stuff is great, but he wants to do an internal change from the inside out. Amen? So God, in this season, I believe there's a special grace that he's giving his church. There's an invitation that he's giving to all of us to enter the throne room of grace, to pray because he's willing to answer those prayers. He wouldn't be pulling us in to pray unless he wanted to answer those prayers. And so it's my heart, it's for all of us, myself included, that we would take that invitation and we would take the time to pray. Take the time to pray in the 714s if you can, the Monday night prayers, the Thursday night prayers, and even just praying alone and, sh and the same way that Jacob went alone and, sh and wrestled with God. There is a grace right now, and I've experienced it. There is a grace where God will change your life if you wrestle with him. And there's things that, that since I've come back from Israel that God has surfaced in my life, and I've taken it to him in prayer, and I can honestly say I've never felt the change that I felt in the past couple months. There's a, there is a grace that he is giving his church. It's an invitation to seek his face and to be changed. Amen? Amen. I, wanna, I want to pray with you right now. The scripture says, or two or more are gathered, that there he is in the midst of them. And if we ask anything in his name, that he will give it. So if you don't know Christ, if you don't have a relationship with God, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. And then uh, even to rededicate yourself to prayer. Um, can we pray? Just say, dear Jesus. Thank you that you love me and that you gave your son for me. That through Jesus, I can experience forgiveness and newness of life. I confess my sin and ask you to forgive me. I also ask you to cleanse me. That the things that dwell in me from the time of birth, I surrender them to you. I ask that you would take these things from me. Take my anger, take my greed, take my lust, take my anxiety, take my fear and my worry. I trust you and you alone. I invite you into my life to walk with me, to guide me, and to change me from the inside out. Teach me to pray. I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Can we give God a hand? Thank him for who he is.